Back a little, oh, maybe six weeks ago, at the beginning of April, my wife and I traveled out to California to see our daughter. And we figured that with winter being about halfway done at that point, it would be a good time to go. And uh, we went out, and she lives in the Los Angeles area, actually about an hour east of there in Loma Linda, California. And uh, we moved into her one-bedroom apartment and told her it would be fine if she wanted to sleep on the couch. And uh, she she willingly did that. Um, but we we had a great time out there just visiting with her. It was really an odd experience, too, because every morning we'd get up and she'd go off to work. And we'd just be sitting there waving to her goodbye. You know, like that never happened growing up. It was always the opposite way, right? See you, Mom. See you, Dad. And uh, But we would sit there, and she'd go out the door, and then we would get on our phones, and we would check the weather report for the day. And when we got out there, we were really hoping for great weather the whole time, and we discovered that it wasn't going to be great in Loma Linda. But in that greater Los Angeles area, you can go a lot of different directions. And we would just figure out where the sun was going to be out that day, and we would head in that direction. So one day we went down to Laguna Beach, and one day we went up and hiked in the uh, San Bernardino Mountains. But the second day that we were there, we looked on the phone, and, and where we found the nice weather was going to be about another hour to the east of us in the Palm Springs area. So we hopped in our little uh, car, and we took off for, for Palm Springs, and, and Kelly started looking for trails. Because when I go on vacation, some, some people are kind of like sit by the pool and relax. I'm like, let's go. We've got things to do here. We've only got a week to squeeze this all in. Let's make this all happen. And so we go off, and we hike, or we do whatever we can, and we love to be outside. And so we headed off towards this Palm Springs area, and I'm like, Kelly, see what hikes you can find around here. And, and uh, she's looking on her phones. We're driving down the road. She's like, this sounds good, and it's called Indian Canyon, and it's got some some hikes that you can do. And I'm like, I'm all in. And so we find this place. It's a little bit south of Palm Springs, and we drive in there, and we get to the beginning, and there's a there's a gate there, and we have to pay our entrance fee, and we get our little map, and we drive on down into the park and and, and and uh, hop out of the car and get ready to go off on the trail. And it was the, one of the most interesting, unique places I've ever been to in my life because the uh, the landscape was extremely unusual. So this, this Indian Canyons is where we started, but this is what it looked like. And we were actually, there's these palm trees in these canyons, but up on the top of the canyons is just like dry, rugged mountains. And I don't know if you could tell that a little bit, how, how dry and arid the landscape everywhere is, except as we hiked up through these canyons. And it had uh, like a really surreal feel to it, almost like I was like seeing a lost in space. Remember that show when you were little? And uh, kind of that landscape to us. And we just had a great time hiking up here through these canyons. And you, you could see the palm trees and perfect uh, day. And everything was going great until we met somebody coming the other way on the trail. Who said this to us? Hey, be careful. There's a rattlesnake up there. I'm like, okay. And uh, they actually pointed out where it was. And so we got up there and it was kind of sitting at the base of this tree. And I didn't get that close. It was kind of sitting at the base of that tree. And, and we kind of looked at it and I kind of snuck up and was like, oh, that looks a little scary. And we... We worked our way around it, and by, you know, like Kelly's starting to like, I'm not sure I want to be doing this. I'm like, oh, it's going to be fine. You know, it's just going to be, it's just, you know, a snake on a trail. It happens every once in a while, right? So, so we continued on up the trail, and, and about that time, two women come down the other way, and they say, hey, how are you guys doing? We're like, oh, this is great, but be careful, there's a snake back there. And like, oh, that's okay. We just got down off the Victor Ridge Trail. We saw a couple up there, too. 
And I'm thinking, well, I can go back that way. There's a snake there. Or I can keep going on this other trail, and, and who knows what's going to happen. And so we went ahead on this Victor Ridge Trail, and, and we had changed how we were walking by this time. As we started out, we were walking side by side. Now we were walking in single file, okay, me and my wife behind me. And uh, as, as I was scoping and scouting out the different uh, uh, trails here and making sure that we were safe. And so we continued on our way up to the Victor Ridge Trail, and you can see the landscape changed almost immediately. And... Uh, Look at that guy there. Isn't he a good-looking guy? It's amazing how skinny you can make yourself look with, the, you know, manipulating photos too, isn't it? But as we're walking up here, we stopped here, and we're going to go on up this trail, and you can kind of see where it goes up here, and it kind of cuts back here, and then you actually go up and through these rocks. And it was great, and we were having a great time, and, and we're starting to relax, all right? And um, I come around the corner after we go over that hill there, come around the corner of the trail, and all of a sudden I hear this... Oh, whoa. Actually, I didn't think anything. I just backed up. And, uh, you know, no warning lights or anything. Backed right up into Kelly. I didn't even think about it. And there was snake number two. This time I hadn't seen the snake. Fortunately, he saw, seen me and said, you know, you might want to back off a little bit, buddy. And I was, I was not in an arguing mood that day. So I just backed right up and uh, stood there. And he slithered off around there. And it's like, oh. And my wife's still shuddering over here with these memories, right? And it's like, wow. And uh, so snake number two and that one I didn't see. That was kind of scary. And we're like, huh. Well, we finished that hike, got back to the trading post. It's like, you want to keep hiking, Kellen? And she's like, I don't know. And I'm like, well, we paid a, a, you know entry fee here. So I was going to hike until it's time to close, right? And uh, uh, so we went off to the next uh, canyon, and uh, it was fine. And we had a good time. We got back, and we're like, ah, the gate's closing here in a couple hours. There's one more hike here. Let's try this, this Murray Canyon hike. And so we did this, and I am so glad we took this hike. It was incredible. We're hiking up one of these canyons with all these palm trees, but this one was a pretty strenuous hike, and we had to, like, climb up over rocks, and we're back and forth over this creek, you know, walking on stepping stones or, or logs across this creek, and, and got up to the the, the uh, falls at the end is what we went to see, and had a great time. And we're like, okay, now we got to hustle back before the, the park closes. And so we come back down the trail, and this is what we see. That was snake number three. And you could see him kind of slithering across the path right there. A nice rattlesnake again. And he gets over, there's a rock right there. And he doesn't keep going, he decides to park it on the rock. Well, we're in a really tight canyon, and really to the left there is a lot of rocks in, in the river, and to the right, it's just going straight up. And so our option is to go past the snake or to go past the snake. And so we're thinking about that. And um, and actually, that's you know using my zoom on my camera, okay, and uh, also cropping back on, on the photo. And with that, a couple of college guys come from behind us. And I'm thinking, okay, college guys, big, bold, you know, brash, like we can handle everything. And I'm like, oh, guys, there's a snake up there. And like, oh, oh, this is not helpful. And uh, so we're all standing there looking like we got to get back down this canyon. How are we going to do this? And finally, they picked up some rocks and threw it at the snake. And the snake uh, went slithering off, and, we, and well, we survived. And we made it here safely and uh, had a great time. I would recommend it to anybody, too, in Indian Canyon. If you get out there, just there are snakes. In fact, we got back there, and there was actually this sign. I guess we probably could have paid more attention before we got started. <laughs> 
Yeah, I wouldn't call it like rattlesnake habitat. I would call it like rattlesnake infestation, all right? And I tell that story, and there's not any big like drama to that story because we survived and uh, everything. But it provides a good backdrop to our conversation today for several reasons. First of all, snakes are often associated with temptation, aren't they? In fact, in the garden, the original garden, which maybe looks something like this place, I don't know. It was incredible. But in that first garden, the snake came with a temptation. And I'm thinking, really, it's too bad that it was Eve and not my wife. Because if it had been my wife and the snake had arrived, she would have been on the other side of the garden and no temptation would have taken place. And we'd all still be living in paradise. Unfortunately, it was Eve. But the snake came with that original temptation. And snakes and temptations are dangerous. They both bite, don't they? Nobody goes looking for a snake bite. And yet, I'm told that out in Southern California every year, lots of people end up in the emergency room because they got bit by a snake. And I had no idea how many rattlesnakes there were out there, by the way, in Southern California. They're everywhere. And uh, so there's no reason to live out there in the wintertime. There's too many snakes. Just stay here and freeze to death, okay? It's much safer. But most of us don't go looking to get bit by a snake, and we don't go looking to get into trouble either. And yet we still give in to temptation sometimes, and still we feel the pain of the bite. But on the trail of life, there are snakes and temptations that are simply unavailable. When we came back down from that waterfall in Murray Canyon, we really didn't have much option other than to go on that trail, and that snake wasn't that far off in the bushes when we went by. But that's true a lot of times in life. We have no choice but to take the trail or the path that's in front of us, realizing that temptation is lurking. And maybe just behind that rock or maybe just behind that bush. And we're constantly faced with temptation in our lives. And unfortunately, too often we give into those temptations. And sometimes we give into the same temptations over and over again. But in your story and in my story, we can all sit and identify the temptations that we've faced in life. And sometimes we can identify where we've caved to those temptations, or we have a tendency to just give in to those temptations and to be tripped up by those. And we think to ourselves, oh, I just wish I could do better with this. I wish I were better at resisting temptation, at saying no, at walking away, at avoiding these types of things. Well, that's what Jesus was after when he gives us this next plank of what we call the Lord's Prayer, which is actually the model prayer. And he says we should pray this. Matthew chapter 6, verse number 12, pray this. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Jesus doesn't want us to fall and give in to our temptations. In fact, he says pray that this doesn't happen. In fact, he takes it a step further. He actually prays for his followers. In John seventeen fifteen. he says this, My prayer is not that you would take them out of this world, but that you would protect them from the evil one. So I'm not going to pray that they are off the path, but I am going to pray that as they walk the path, they are going to be protected from the evil one. Remember what Jesus told his disciples on the night he was betrayed? He said this to them, Pray that you fall not into temptation. And so as we deal with this idea of temptation in our lives, and this is a subject that we can all relate to, 
we can be encouraged by the fact that Jesus said, hey, I don't want you to fall prey to this, but we can also be encouraged by the tool that he gives us as we face temptation, and that tool is prayer. And prayer is a big part of our resisting temptation. Now, maybe when I say that, you're thinking, hey, I've prayed a lot about my temptation, and I still seem to cave in and give in and fall into this temptation. So I'm not so sure that prayer is all that helpful to me. Maybe I need something a little bit more practical. Prayer may not be the only thing that you need, but prayer is going to be an essential part of your resistance to whatever this temptation is. But remember a couple things. First of all, prayer in and of itself has no power. So prayer isn't the issue. It's who we pray to that is the the issue and is the promise, actually. And it's the object of our prayer that makes the difference. And so as we pray, we pray to a God who actually can do something about our situation. The second thing, though, that we need to remember is it's not just who we pray to, but the actual act of prayer, the process of prayer, impacts and influences us in some unusual ways. And we're going to talk about that in just a few minutes here. As we deal with this idea of temptation, we can pray and ask God to help us, and he does. But as we pray for God to help us in our temptations, some things actually happen in us and in our mindset that are going to be helpful to us in dealing with that temptation. But what I do first is just get our heads around what this plank of the prayer actually means. Jesus said this, and when you pray, pray this, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, at first glance, you look at that and go, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Lead us not into temptation. It kind of sounds like God has this plan, if we don't pray, where he's like, he's going to dangle some like evil carrot in front of us, and, uh, and we're going to, in a moment of weakness, we're going to reach out and, and grab that carrot, and he's going to be like, see, I knew you'd do that. It doesn't work that way. God never, ever, ever tempts us with anything evil. In fact, James repeats that in James chapter 1, which is in your growth guide this week, and always encourage you to use your growth guide, which is always follow-up to what we talk about on Sunday mornings. But God never tempts us with anything evil. He can't and he won't. So when we face temptation that's evil, that's not God just checking to see if we're strong. God doesn't do that. So when we look at that verse and say, lead us not into temptation, it's not saying, God, don't put anything evil in my path. He can't do that. So it must mean something different. Well, the obvious choice for meaning something different would be this. God, please don't allow me to be confronted or, or, in, or, or to have temptation come into my path. Don't let me go down paths where I'm going to be tempted. And that's probably a little bit more accurate, except for the fact that it misses out on a word here that we have a tendency to interpret negatively, but as it's presented here is actually a neutral word, and that is the word temptation. The word temptation in the Greek is neutral. And so it doesn't, you know, we see temptation as, as a invitation to do evil. Invitation, as it's given in this verse and as it's used in the Bible, is not necessarily an invitation to do evil. It's just a situation that comes up, which may be used by Satan to get us to do something evil, but it may also be used by God to 
you know, we can make a good choice. So temptation is actually neutral. So we look at that though and go, okay, well, lead us not into temptation, lead us not into situations. That makes sense on the evil side, right? But what about on the positive side? Because God actually does allow us into situations and into trials and into testing because he uses those situations to build us and to grow our faith. And he uses those situations to develop us. And actually, these situations are necessary for us to develop or or to exercise free will. In fact, when God made man, he said, you know, you are free to choose, but those choices are going to come in moments, or those choices are going to come in situations. And so we are going to face temptation. We're going to face situations. What Jesus is saying in this verse, and you put the whole thing together here, lead us not into temptation, lead us not into situations, but deliver us. We could say it this way, when we pray, God, don't put me in situations where I'm going to be prone to get myself in trouble here. Don't expose me to situations where I have the potential or where the situation has potential for failure and harm. And so with every situation that comes We face a choice, and our choice is, first of all, will I choose God? Or secondly, will I choose the evil one, which is usually disguised as me choosing myself, and they go in the same direction. So we need to change the way that we think about temptation. It's just a situation, but we also need to think about how we think about temptation in another way as well, because we usually think of temptation as what? Some big moral issue that comes up like a temptation to have an affair or, or the temptation to to tell a lie or the or the temptation to, to gamble away my paycheck. Or we think about some big thing like that. That's a big temptation, right? And if I do this, you know, it's you know, like the dark cloud, it's going to unload, right? And, and all the rain and all the lightning, whatever's going to come with this. And we fail to realize that temptations are just simple situations that happen to us in life that can be used positively or can be used negatively, but they're usually, in our minds, not that big a deal. It might be just the the temptation or the situation when somebody says something negative to you or about you, how you're going to respond to that. Are you going to respond in kind? Are you going to respond positively? Well, that's the situation that comes up. It might be uh, the situation like, I've got a deadline coming up here. Am I going to panic about it or or am I going to trust God with this? Or the situation may be the the alarm clock's going off right now. Am I going to hit the snooze button or am I going to get up and, and spend some time reading my Bible? We have these smaller situations that come up in life. And these situations, though, have tremendous potential, either for good or for evil. And often what happens is that when these are used for evil, it's the, it's the little snake then that bites us, or it's that path or that trail that heads us in the wrong direction and puts us in the danger of the evil that's lurking there. And so when we pray, lead us not into temptation, we're actually praying this, God, as I face situations, I need your help. 
And I need your help maybe protecting me, or I need your help making sure that I don't have more than what I can handle, but I'm going to need your help. But as I pray this prayer, the process has an impact on me as well. And it thoughtfully prepares me for the decision points that I'm going to face as I go through my day today. And so when I pray, I'm actually doing these things as well, or thinking these thoughts, or preparing my heart in this direction. And let's look at these things this morning. When I pray, I am acknowledging that there is a war going on for my spiritual well-being. There's a war, a war going on for my spiritual well-being. We have the forces of evil, Satan. We have the forces of God, good. But there is a war that's, and that war is directed at me. I am in danger. And I need to be aware of that. Because a lot of this war takes place in the invisible or in the silent world, sometimes we forget that it's real. And we forget that we have an enemy who is out to harm us. So every day when we get up and when we step out of our, uh, out of our beds and, and into the paths of life, there's an enemy who's lurking. Like the rattlesnakes on the trail, saying, can I get them today? Can I get them today? Can I get them today? And when I pray this prayer, what am I doing? I am saying, you know what? I am acknowledging that there is danger out there on the path today. It's a rattlesnake habitat. Paul says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual powers. Peter said what? Don't, don't be deceived. We have a roaring lion out there in the devil who is seeking to trip us up. And we are constantly in our, his sights, and he is constantly seeking to destroy us. His goal is to do us harm. And when I pray this prayer, what am I doing? I'm reminding myself, I'm acknowledging myself that there's a battle going on here. And if I don't get this right, I'm putting myself in incredible danger. And so when I pray, I'm acknowledging that, but I'm also alerting or reminding myself to the dangers that will be in my path and hopefully putting myself on guard. Now, if I'm a smart hiker, I have some options. First of all, I can just skip going to Indian Canyon. And probably most of you have done that so far and you've been safe. If you go there, though, they say, here's a plan. Wear hiking boots and long pants. Now, Remember that picture of me? There were no long pants on me, and there were no hiking boots on me. All right? Not probably the best way to go hiking in, in rattlesnake territory there. But sometimes we live our lives that way, where we know that there's an enemy there, and when we pray, it should remind us of the fact that he is there, and yet, you know, we throw on our shorts and our tennies, and off we go. And so when I pray this prayer, I'm saying, you know what? I need to make sure that I am preparing myself. I am, need to make sure that I am on guard. I need to make sure that I'm even paying attention. I need to be making sure that I'm following in single file line, if you're my wife, right? This is what this prayer does. It's a prayer for awareness. Now, when we go down the path of life, though, the rattlesnakes there don't rattle at us. In fact, this was interesting. We were talking to one of the rangers afterwards that there's a mutation of these rattlesnakes that are being born without rattles now. And it's a big concern because they don't alert anybody, and they can't. But that's the enemy that we deal with. There's no rattles. 
He's just lying in wait for you to come around the bend and to not be paying attention and to jump out and to dig his fangs right into you there. And so when I pray this prayer, I am saying, God, make me be alert. Help me to be alert. Help me to realize that it just takes one wrong step. It just takes one bad decision. So God, please protect me on my path today because I'm pretty defenseless, aren't I? And that brings us to the third thing here. When I pray this prayer, I am admitting to my own spiritual inadequacy and to my need for help. And a lot of times I think we think we're good and we're strong and we can just deal with whatever comes and then it comes and then we fail and then we're reminded like, oh, I guess I shouldn't have been so cocky and so confident in my own abilities here. But as I pray this prayer, what I am saying is, God, I know that when temptation comes, it has the power to trip me up and I'm likely going to go down unless I have your help. Unless I have you protecting me. Paul says in Corinthians, this again is in your growth guide this week, but if you think you're good, be careful. Because you're setting yourself up for a fall. Do you remember Peter, in fact, back when Jesus said, hey, you need to pray that your, that your strength doesn't fail. You need to pray that you don't fall into temptation. He was talking to Peter who was there saying what? I'll never deny you. And so when I pray this prayer, I'm admitting to the fact that if the right opportunity comes along that matches the desires I have, I'm going to be in big trouble. And that's what the enemy tries to do. He tries to identify the desires that we have, some of them good and right even, a lot of them selfish and wrong, but he tries to create situations and opportunities for us to give in to our desires. So temptation is that place where desire meets opportunity. And when we pray this prayer, what we're actually saying by lead us not into temptation is, God, please keep opportunity away from these desires that I have. Sometimes we say that, right? I We hear about somebody doing something and we think, oh, I would never do that. The only reason you haven't done it so far is you haven't had the opportunity that matches up with that desire. And so we need to be reminded of the fact that we are in danger always, that the enemy is powerful, and he's more powerful than you and I are. And if we don't have God's help, we are setting ourselves up for failure. So when we pray, I'm saying, God, I need your help because I can't. And when I know that I can't, it puts me more on alert too, right? I figured if I ran into a snake on that trail, he was probably going to win. If there was a battle. And so I'm saying, God, if I step into this situation, I realize the danger of him winning unless I have your help here. Well, the next thing here, when I pray, I am asking for strength to withstand, wisdom to discern, and permission to avoid this temptation, this trial, this test. And let me break that down into three parts here. Give me strength to withstand. We live in a crooked world where there is a ton of temptation. And we can't get away from it. The answer is not going off to some monastery somewhere. In fact, Jesus says, I'm not praying to have them taken out of this world. 
I, I, they need to be in this world because they need to have impact and effect and, and, and share the love of Christ. But we live in this crooked world, and we need to have just simple strength to say no, to stand up to wrong. But what happens is we get worn down. And so we say no, but then we get asked again, and then we say no. And then we get asked again, and we're like, ah, no. And then we get asked again, and we're like, ah, maybe. And then we get asked again, and we're like, okay. And we get worn down a lot of times. Or sometimes we just get desensitized. We see so much evil. We see so many wrong decisions. We see so many people falling into temptation in this world around us that we start to think it's no big deal. Oh, it's just a snake. And we get ourselves into this in trouble this way. And so when I pray, Lisa, what I'm saying is, God, I need your strength to stand. Because if temptation comes, I'm in trouble unless I have your help. So it's strength to stand. It's the wisdom to discern, too. Most people who mess up their lives don't do so willfully and blatantly. Like, okay, this is a horrible situation. I see that. I'm just going to go ahead and do it anyhow. What happens is we get fooled and we get tricked. It wasn't that Eve sat there, looked at that fruit and said, this is great. Let me see if I can, let me see if I can die. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, that does look interesting. That does look good. And when we pray this prayer, what we're saying is, God help me to have the wisdom to discern the danger here. And so I don't just go blithely on my way like, oh, whoa, didn't expect that. And so we need discernment because a lot of times bad choices look good, at least at face value. And we need to be able to see beneath them, to see where things are going, to see where that trail actually goes. And every path that we take leads us somewhere. Sometimes at the very beginning of that path, it looks great, right? It's not till later on that we're already committed to that path, that we have to get past that point to get back to our car, that we realize that we're in big trouble. And then we're also asking for permission to avoid. Jesus actually prayed that, didn't he? He said, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. And so when I pray, lead us on temptation, I'm saying, God, there are temptations out there. There are even tests out there. But if it's possible that I can avoid those, please let me avoid those. Now, if it's necessary for me to go through them, then please help me to go through them and help me to experience them for good, which is the next point here. When I pray, I am allowing for tests. Did I jump ahead there? Okay. I'm allowing for the tests and the trials to be a tool that God uses for good in my story. So we have these different situations that we run into, and God says they can be good or bad. They're just situations, but I'm praying that God would use them for good in my story. And it's intentionally establishing a mindset that when I come to points in my life where I might want to just throw up my hand in the feet or where I might be tempted to go this direction where I can say, this is actually an opportunity for me to choose right. And as I do that, my faith is going to grow. So when I pray this prayer, I'm allowing for this truth that God can use my situation for good to be what I hang on to. To say, oh, I wouldn't pick this. I don't even like this right now. But God, you can use this for good in my life. And let me give you one last thing here. It means that I am accepting the fact that I can handle whatever situation 
that's brought my way that I can make it through there. Or else God wouldn't be allowing it. He's not going to blow off this prayer. If we pray and say, God, please don't lead me into situations, and then I'm led into a situation, it's not like God's like, ah, I wasn't paying attention here. He's saying that then if you get to that situation that, okay, now, you have the strength to say no, and I'll give you that strength. And as you say no, you can grow in your strength and your ability to say no to that situation. So if I prayed that prayer, and all of a sudden I find myself in my situation, in my temptation, that's actually a comment by God that, with me, you can handle it at this moment. And so as I pray that prayer, and those situations come, it's actually me accepting that fact that this situation that I'm facing is something that I can get through. Now, we have some responsibilities too, don't we? Now, the snake's on the trail. I'm not going to walk up there and go, hi, snake. So sometimes I need to run. Sometimes I need to put on the hiking boots. Sometimes I need to just not go down that trail. When we pray, and we've talked about this throughout the whole uh, Lord's Prayer here, God expects us to do our part in the prayer. So if I pray... I'm going to take steps to avoid that temptation or to prepare myself even for that temptation. We need to keep that in mind as well. But Jesus said to pray this, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And what that means is I'm asking God for wisdom to take right paths. I'm asking for him to intervene and to keep me out of dangerous situations. I'm asking him for courage to stand when I have to face evil. I'm asking for protection in that moment. I'm asking for grace to desire good in my life. I'm asking for perspective to leverage this situation as an opportunity for growth. I'm believing that God will do as I am requesting, and I am declaring my intention to say yes to God and to say no to me and to the evil one. So what is your, I could say, temptation this morning? Well, let me just say it this way. What is your situation? What is it that you're facing right now where you're tempted to do the wrong thing, to go in the wrong path? What is it that you are dealing with? Maybe it's just a habit that you're still trying to get rid of. Maybe it's a desire that you're just fighting constantly. Maybe it's a problem that you have right now and you can't get to a resolution. And so it just lingers there and it's got you discouraged. That's a situation, and even choosing discouragement is part of the work of the evil one, right? Maybe it's something that the Bible is saying you need to do in your life, and you're like, yeah, I need to do that, and you're hesitating. That's your situation. Maybe it's just simply wanting to give up on something that you've been waiting for. Maybe that's your situation. Prayer is at least part of your answer. It's definitely the starting place. There may be more actions that you need to take, and I'm not just saying that if you pray, all of the temptation in your life is going to go away and you'll handle all of it perfectly. You need to use wisdom, right? And you need to take steps. But we need to start here. And to pray this prayer. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil.